The Army is more than a year into its digital transformation strategy execution plan now. Virtually every agency is making progress on moving to digital infrastructure. Scott Anderson is Distinguished Enterprise Architect at Verizon Federal Solutions. Scott, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Regarding those digital transformations that agencies are undertaking, what are the real security problems that those agencies are wrestling with or that they should be wrestling with that versus what they think their big security problems are? Welcome. Oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. You know, security is an interesting problem. Uh, first of all, when we think about security, networks have evolved. You know, if you look back to 2009, most networks were designed as Tootsie Pops, a hard outer core, soft, chewy center. But that hard outer core protected that soft, chewy center. 2011, you know, the, the cloud world explodes and everybody begins moving to the cloud. And what they did is they took that soft, chewy center and they moved it to somewhere else. So now they have this beautiful hard core and everybody sees it and tries to hit it. Uh, but the reality is you're, you're, Data is actually often in the cloud, often in other places. And so for out of that, you know, the government did what is called FedRAMP and things like that. And, and there are ultimately a number of problem areas that occur uh, that people miss. One of the problem areas is uh, covered by the solutions within SASE or Secure Access Service Edge, uh, often uh, leading down the path of what is called zero trust networking. So Verizon publishes a report every year called the DBIR data breach investigation report. You can go to verizon.com, type DBIR into the search there, and it comes up. And we do it every year. In 2021, and this, by the way, you know, shouldn't be. This should just not be. This is a known problem. It has happened for, for 10 years, but it's still a problem. 50% of the, of the breaches in government and commercial and anywhere else in the world, 50% were the uh, pejorative term man in the middle attack. I'm going to call them person in the middle attack. A person in the middle attack, which is basically a phishing email with a URL that says your Amazon Prime account was canceled. Please log in and redo your payment, right? You log in, you type everything in. It doesn't work. Right. Most users just say, oh, it's my browser. They click the close the browser. They walk away. They forget about it. Huge exposure. That is a massive exposure that still exists. Fifty percent of all of the breaches in 2021. So a, a lot of times it's we forget old breaches are still there. A lot of times we forget that there are lots of different ways now that this data and everything else is moving around. The challenge there, too, is the old line. Why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. You know, this stuff works 15 or 20 years into the, the the mass appeal internet age. And I wonder what you do about that or how you should think about it as a federal leader. I mean, is, do you think about it only as an insider threat mitigation problem? Because it's not a malicious threat. That person in the middle isn't trying to do something bad, but they do it anyway. And I wonder if that's still the right way to think about how you try to mitigate that risk, Scott. Well, insider threats are huge. Uh, unfortunately, uh, insider threats are still the biggest single problem that most organizations are going to have. No matter what you do, the people on the inside, they already have access. They don't have to steal access. They have it. Um, so, you know, obviously that is a, a significant problem uh, that has to be dealt with. And and that is where SASE and, and, and the reality of zero trust networking begin to help. Um, you know, 
there, there are two things I always tell people when they ask me about security. The first is, if you make your security so onerous that nobody follows it, it's useless, right? I mean, the sad reality of security is if nobody follows the process, it doesn't matter how secure you think you are. You're not because nobody follows it. So that's one. Uh, and the other side is, you know, be very careful where you implant security. Years ago, we used to always say, put the highest security on the PC and the lowest security on the user because the PC normally tends to, except for Tuesdays, log in once a day. Tuesdays, it's twice a day, right? You download the patch, reboot the machine, you know, it logs in twice on Tuesdays. But normally the PC logs in once. So highest on the PC, lowest on the user. But now in this modern age with SASE and Zero Trust, we can actually help. We can actually begin to put the security on network devices. We can build a structure that better supports what the organization is looking to do from a security perspective at the network level. What is the role or the responsibility or the potential benefit that the cloud provider can provide to the customer in order to be able to try to mitigate some of this risk, Scott? Well, well, first of all, you know, this is an interesting problem. I was a, a cloud person back in the days when, when people looked at you and go, well, what's, the, what's cloud? <laughs> it's up in the sky. That's what do you right. mean? You're, I, I can remember talking to my mother and my mother saying, and she's a very smart person. She just, clouds are water vapor. Why, why are you selling cloud? Um, so, so when we talk about, you know, the benefits for cloud, well, first of all, you know, Verizon has a solution that we've built. Um, that kind of allows customers better connectivity to the cloud, which is, you know, kind of step one, right? Get a better connection solution to the cloud, build that connection solution so that you have a stronger view. And then the other side of it is, if you think about what a hacker is going to attack, uh, they attack the, the big cloud providers at a very high rate, an extremely high rate. So what you get when you go to the cloud providers is you get people who have been exposed to virtually every attack out there. You're not likely to get the, the user error required with many attacks because they've seen it. They know what the response is. They build processes around it. They understand it. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of this new world of the cloud providers probably get more security attacks. Obviously, with the government, we can argue that a little bit. Many of the cloud providers probably are as attacked as some government agencies are. Um, but the reality is that they do understand and they do have practices and processes in place to be effective in helping the customers. And then again, Verizon's got that nice new solution there that we can actually benefit and help our customers by giving them a private connection to the cloud. So they're no longer on the internet. That reduces the hacker's ability to even get at you because you're not visible. How you get to that is another big question and, a, and another big focus of the federal information technology community. We talked about trusted internet connection, uh, the, the tick concept for, geez, 15, 16, 17 years now, I think. Is that a moot point in 2022, given the way that agencies access the cloud to get uh, information online or to exchange data online? Or is that still an important consideration, the way in which one connects to its cloud? Incredibly awesome question. So, you, you know, again, going back to, you know, we have this beautiful solution that we've built that allows the customer to connect to the cloud privately. In theory, and I'm saying in theory because most of the customers that use it today still have a TIC connection. 
But in theory, they wouldn't need a tick because it's all private, right? It, we're, we're providing a service on their network instead of a service in the cloud. So when you think about one of the things about cloud, I traversed my network, got to a tick, went out to the internet and talked to the cloud provider. With this new solution, you don't do that anymore. Now, I stay on my network the entire time, go directly to the cloud provider in a private connection, and I suddenly have this private world that is no longer bound. And if I add tick, I just increased my protection radically by decreasing even further um, the, the reality of the hacker. And all of this, by the way, is software defined. So if a hacker does somehow gain access to my Amazon world, if a hacker is able to completely take control of my Amazon, I can go to a portal and I can shut Amazon off until my IT team can get into that cloud and figure out what the hacker modified, modify and, and take out everything that they did. Meanwhile, the hacker can be sitting there all day long trying to get back to my network, and there's no connection back to my network. They're just pounding their head on a brick wall, which painful for them, but good for me. Yeah, that helps you. And, and who cares what happens to them since they're the ones that are trying to take you down. <laughs> um, while you were talking there and before you got to the idea of, of software-defined architecture, I wrote down the word software-defined architecture because this is something that agencies are saying – we want to move to this. What are the tools that agencies that are moving to software-defined architecture using to do so successfully, Scott? Well, yeah, and it, it, we actually have a, a really fun framework that we've built out. Uh, you know, it, it's aligned with the old Gartner uh, maturity model of years ago, you know, basic to dynamic. Uh, and we help, you know, we help customers by placing all the activities that they have to do. Um, one of the big things within... Uh, Getting to the software-defined world, you know, is ultimately asking yourself the hard question, right? Do, do I want to manage my network anymore? Um, I actually talked to a, a government customer just about a month and a half ago, uh, and the very first thing the person said in the meeting—I mean, this is word one out of their mouth—was, "I don't want to be unique anymore. I want to be consumer. I want to be like everybody else." I'd never heard that before. I, I stopped for a second and I'm like, really? That's awesome. I love it. I, we'll get you there. You know, because usually the lag between, you know, in cloud and in networks and in software, the lag between the commercial release and the release for the federal government is sometimes as much as a year. Well, let's cut that year out. That That's awesome, right? So step one, right? I've got this, this concept of, of, moving more towards commercial. Step two is how much do I really want to manage? So if I give up the network and let Verizon or, or another vendor manage the network for me, you know, that moves me down that path of what is often called SD-WAN or software-defined wide area networking. That's, you know, kind of step one. But Verizon goes even further. We have a solution set that we call NAS, Network as a Service. And what we do within NAS is, first of all, we apply this maturity framework. We help you get to your end state, and we begin building this structure around you so that you're truly moving to your network as a service. And I always tell customers when we have that initial NAS conversation, think of it as building a network that responds to your problems before you know you have a problem. Scott Anderson of Verizon, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for the insight. I appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here.